You're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No. I'm Lauren. Oh, I felt weird. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So, you know how you text your friends and ask them what to wear on the first date, how to respond to a text from your crush, or to weigh in on whether you should post a certain pic on the socials? Yeah, those people, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Join our village because we're serving you expert guests who are filled with tips and tricks that will take some of the guessing out of this game. And make sure you subscribe and share our pod with your friends so we can help the village grow bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. Failed relationships. We all have them, but why? During a breakup or separation, we spend so much time trying to figure out who is at fault when we need to focus on the real issues that cause the same patterns of failed relationships in the first place so we can fix it in time for the one. What do you think the reason is most people would say relationships fail? Well, I think most people would say, oh, it's bad communication. Correct. That is what most people would say, but that is not the case. You'd be surprised to hear what our guest, Dr. Abby Medcalf, has to say about what she thinks are the real reasons relationships fail. And trust us, you have never heard this one before, but it makes so much sense. Abby Medcalf is a relationship maven, psychologist, author, podcast host, and TEDx speaker who has helped thousands of people create happy, connected relationships. With her unique background in both business and counseling, she brings a fresh, effective perspective to relationships using humor and her direct, no-nonsense style, our favorite kind. Absolutely. With over 30 years of experience, Abby is a recognized authority and sought-after speaker at organizations such as Google, Apple, AT&T, Kaiser, PG&E, American Airlines, and Chevron. She's been a featured expert on CBS and ABC News and has been a contributor to HuffPost, Women's Health, and Bustle. She's also the author of the number one best-selling Amazon book, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing, and the host of the top-rated Relationships Made Easy podcast, which appeared on CNBC's top 10 podcasts we all need in our lives right now. Sounds like we do, because how the heck... Do you stay happily married if your partner won't do a thing? We need to know. Yeah. Well, she's going to help us succeed in love by telling us the real reasons why relationships fail. Welcome to the show, Abby. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you here because we really need some answers to some of your ideas that we think are so spot on and we're just dying to know. But first of all, we must know your relationship status. We ask all of our guests this question. Are you single, taken, or it's complicated? I'm I'm very taken and uh, super happily so. You know, when you're meeting that person, I don't know. It's it's good stuff. He He still looks at me like I'm magic, so... We're, we want to keep oh. that going. Wow. Okay. So you're definitely doing something right. And <laughs> I think we're off to a great start given your track record with your own relationship. So there you, go. you also have quite the track record as a psychologist for over 30 years. Please tell us, what do you think that other people think is the main problem in most relationships? It's without a doubt, 100% what every couple pretty much comes to me with and individuals and what I hear on my own podcast is we have a communication problem. You know, we just don't communicate and I have to be the mean one and say, you're wrong. That's, that's not the main problem. It's a problem that stems from a deeper problem. And I feel bad for people because they do, you know, you guys, I'm sure you ladies have been doing it too. You're doing all the right things, listening to the workshops and reading the books, and then you do the tools and they don't quote unquote work. And it's frustrating and people fall back into old patterns very quickly. It's because, you know, it's like you're trying to build a house on a faulty, without a foundation. And the foundation, the real problem is that couples are constantly in competition with one another. And that competition eats away at the trust. And if you don't trust your partner, guess what? You're not going to be communicating well. Yeah. So then it falls under the 
like some specific ideas of like trust and communication, which are clearly key factors to a successful relationship. Like, obviously you're not saying that, but this, the thing, the main problem that it stems from is competitiveness, which is freaking genius. And then I think about it and I'm like, yeah, actually I do think that that is like a real problem. So explain to people like, what that kind of looks like, like, because they think they might be thinking to themselves, like, that doesn't make sense to me. But what does a competitive problem sound like? So they could go, Oh, right, that that is what I'm doing, or that does happen. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because personally, I'm really not a competitive person. I hope everybody wins. But I, I used to do this in relationships, too. It's the way we're raised, you know, that it's 50-50, we say things like my other half, my better half. And so we get this idea that each half is supposed to be doing something and that it's supposed to be exactly equal. So we say things like, it's your turn to put away the dishes, my favorite. Uh, you know, we take turns in games. If if you're taking turns in your relationship, if, or if you're treating your relationship like a game, obviously it's not good. We say things like, well, I took Sophie to piano practice on Tuesday. So you have to take Johnny to, you know, violin practice on Friday, or I spent, you spent this much money. So now I get to spend this much money. We do this tit for tat thing back and forth and we love to keep score, right? Well, I did this, this, and this. So he should be doing X, Y, and Z. And we're constantly comparing what the other person is doing or not doing compared to what we're doing. And that is keeping score. And that is competition. That's what you do in a competition. You keep score. And that's the demise of relationships because think about it. If we're keeping score, it means that one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And I don't want to lose. So I'm going to be all down with me winning, which means that I really don't have your best interests at heart. I I do if they serve mine, but I don't really, really, truly. And I know that's hard for people to hear. It was hard for me to realize about myself and my own relationships for years. But it's real, again, it's what I learned. We say, you know, um, you need to pull your weight around here, do your fair share. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's that he's not pulling his weight. And Mm -hmm. then you feel like, oh, I'm being taken advantage of or he doesn't appreciate me. And all Uh those things, like, flippid sayings start coming out (laughs) that it's like, okay, very cliche, but it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. are you really, are you really also when you do say things like that? Are you really also thinking about because you know when you're like in a headspace where you're mad or you're being negative, like you're not also thinking about like, well, what about all the things that he might have done? Like you're just kind of focusing on what you're doing too. Oh yeah, and so that's sort of like, is it really like, are you really the only one doing something in the relationship? Like well, that doesn't that's exactly. like very accurate. You're so right on. I'm sorry to interrupt. You're so, I get so excited. Uh, you're so right on. And it, what's really important here, and I call this kind of the, the lions and hyenas thing. What, if you're, if you're looking at what your partner does, you know, time for time, uh, task for task, that's a big problem because what our partners bring to us is there's a lot of value in things that don't necessarily take a lot of time. And we miss that. So we might think, well, I spent three hours cleaning the kitchen and you only spent 10 minutes, you know, changing the oil in the car. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here. It sounds very gender normative, but you know what I mean? You know, right? So you might have that idea. But if that's really important, if this is something this person can bring just because it takes less time, why is is that a, a negative? Or really, but what's really under that, you don't marry someone because they mow the lawn really well. (laughs) that's not, that's not why you go, Oh, I want to spend my life with you. You, you get into a committed relationship with someone because of how they make you feel. They make you feel safe. They make you feel cherished, you know, look at you like you're magic. Like I said, those are the reasons. That's how I feel good in my relationship. If I, the, my rule is if you can pay someone to do it, don't complain about it. And I don't mean that you should come, that you should pay someone. I'm not talking about that. And, and, you know, I don't want people to jump to something where I think women should do all the work and men should, you know, sit there smoking a cigar. That is not what I'm talking about at all. But I am talking about we tend to get very caught up in these things that, and what you said earlier is right on, we assign meaning to it. 
oh, he didn't put away the dishes last night. He doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't love me. If he really loved me, he'd put away the dishes. And when you, I've literally heard people say that in my office and I have to look at them and go, are you kidding me? You only feel loved if the dishes are put away. What are you talking about? It's really something else. It's other things I don't feel the love about. It's other things. It's maybe he doesn't look at me the way he used to. Maybe he doesn't, you know, uh, back me up when I'm saying something to the kids or to to a friend or about my work problem. Those are the reasons. But then it looks like the dishes, right? It's never the dirty sock on the floor is what I always say. It's, you know, if you're arguing about that, again, it takes one second to pick up the dirty sock. But it's all the things you think the dirty sock means. And that's why you will, I, I mean, you know, it's a divorce worthy mistake, right? To drag the knife from the peanut butter into the jelly. It's like, no. oh, you know, next thing you know, you're screaming about divorce and you're thinking, I just was making a sandwich. What happened? You know, and, and it just seems to blow out of control because it's not about the thing. So how does this actually start? Is it set up from the beginning just based on your dynamic and the relationship? Like, let's just say um, when you first start seeing each other, you're trying to like make an impression. So maybe you do always cook for the other person or maybe that person does always do something and it's more just like a wooing tactic and then maybe things start to change because you're getting more comfortable or is this something that grows over time where does this come into play and is there any way to avoid it so you don't get to this whole tit for tat such an excellent question uh there's a few pieces to this one it it comes into play from the time we're born practically we watched our parents do it we watched friends parents do it we watched our older siblings maybe do it in their relationships we see every tv show in the world you know, ends up talking about this in some way. So it's in the culture. It's part of the, especially the American culture. But the other thing that does happen that I noticed, so I'll, I'll give you a great example. I had, um, I have a gentleman I'm working with who's, who's married and he has been buying his, uh, uh, fiance. She's now his fiance and they've been together like five or six years and he's been buying her flowers for their month anniversary since they met. Like, is this beautiful? Like since they met, wow. he, he makes a thing, right? Very sweet. But they've been having a lot of issues and they've been having stuff and I'm on the, and I'm talking to him and he says, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't even know why I keep doing these, this flower thing. You know, she doesn't even, I've asked her so many times to, to cook. He wants like her to cook more. Like he does a lot of the cooking and he's been asking her over and over. And of course I said to him, so he's like, I'm going to stop doing this thing. And I said, first of all, can you hear the tit for tat there? Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, now it's now it's connected. I said, I said, listen, buddy. And and I've met the fiance. She's amazing. I said, you are so lucky to have this woman, number one. <laughs> number two, part of your like why you're great is that you do this thing every month. That's that's part of why what she's marrying is like, wow, this guy really has this kind of thing. And She's never cooked. Like, this has never been a thing. But he was having this sort of fantasy that over time, well, once we get married or once this happens, once we move in together, you know, people have these ideas that later, once we have kids, once whatever, this, this person's going to change. And they're not. What if, if you're with someone, you really have to think, if this is the best they are, am I, am I good? Not that we don't want to improve, not that we don't want to work on ourselves, but if this is it, right now, do, do I want to be with this person? That, that you don't, you're not with fixer uppers. People are who they are. So you really have to decide early. And in my 35 years of doing this, I will tell you that people show you who they are right away. It's very rare that I hear the stories, but frankly, I've never met anyone that this actually happened to where, you know, it was all, yeah, of course there's more sex and gifts or maybe attention in the very, very, very beginning. We call this a uh, period, a period of limerence. It's this thing that happens in the brain. So yeah. All right. But past that, but every single relationship has that to some extent. Right. But after that, it's really, people are who they are. They're, they're going to show you. So you can either believe them or not. And what I experience is that people don't believe it. They think they're, they're going to change this person. They're, you know, and it's these assumptions about, well, once you're married, I've had people literally assume that when they never talked about it, that when they got, I had uh, two couples I can think of where the husband thought, well, once we get married, she'll stop working. Once we have kids, sorry, she'll stop working. Just assumed. 
Never out, wow. never talked about it. Is that crazy? I know. Or, th- yeah. you know, I can't even tell you the things that are assumed. It's, it's mind boggling. But, but to go back to your question, sorry, I, I digress, but I come back. It, this idea of this tit for tat thing gets set up at an early time. And then, yeah, you might even go on your first date. Think about those first dates, right? If let's say um, in a heterosexual relationship, does it, is he paying? And if he yeah. pays, do I owe him something? Right? Boom, boom, right there. Does he think I owe him something because this money came? You know, right there is a tit for tat. Is a, well, maybe literally, haha. Uh, <laughs> is this right? Like, exactly, like, what is that? Or people think, no, I want to pay exactly half the check. I'm going to pay half. Or they come into the relationship saying, uh, I've had couples move in together who are splitting the bills right down the middle, yet one of them is making significantly more than the other. And I'm thinking, well, why, why are you putting it down the middle? Like, I don't understand. Shouldn't it be a percentage? Like you're, you're going in here. You're saying, hey, let's invest in each other right now. We're going to move in. We're going to do this thing. I don't get it. You know, so it's not 50-50 at that point. That, that's actually not fair. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, you know, there's a way that people get very wrapped up in the mindset without thinking. And really what you want to do, number one is be aware of it. Notice that you're thinking things like, I want to put, you know, do I put away the dishes or, you know, I'm asking them, I'm, I'm keeping score, I'm watching what they're doing. But really the the easiest and the number one thing you can do to get around this and to really start to shift the relationship in a different direction is to understand and program a part of your brain, which you can do, which is called your RAS. I'm only, I'm not going to be too technical, I promise, but it's called your reticular activating system or your RAS for short. It's, it's, it's uh, part of your limbic system. And basically your RAS is a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind. Okay. So it's a filter. So whatever you think about consciously, the RAS sends it as an order or an instruction to your unconscious, your subconscious to look for that thing. And the easiest example I can always give is if you've ever bought a new car, have you ever gotten a new, a new car? And you know yeah. how you, you suddenly see that car everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? You're like, oh my gosh, are, are they, they're just building gray BMWs. What ha- like, How is this possible? They're everywhere. And I can tell you that every time I was pregnant, pregnant women were everywhere. I could not move without seeing, I kept thinking, is there a population explosion? Like we all having sex together? What, what is going on? And it's, and it's, of course not, I can't remember the last time I saw a pregnant lady. It's, it's again, our conscious brains are thinking of something and it sends it as an order to the subconscious to look for that thing, to pull it out. And so if I'm thinking my partner doesn't appreciate me, my partner's always nagging me, my partner is an, is an asshole, whatever I might think, guess what? I am sending that as an order to my subconscious to look for it, to look for them nagging me, to look for this thing. And guess what? You will find it. Oh, you will have so much proof of what you believe. You won't believe it. And here's the really scary part. Like that's not scary enough. Your RAS, well, the brain is very economical. It doesn't want to waste energy. It will filter out anything that doesn't match what you consciously think. So if your partner is appreciative, when they say thank you, when they are loving, guess what? You, you're like Teflon. You don't and hear it. You don't hear it. And I and you know, because you have been in this argument with your partner at some point where where they were going, uh, well, I told you, know, you're just like, you don't appreciate me. And they're so, I just, I said this, I did this. They're keeping score, right? They can list all the times they did. And you're like, you didn't say that. I didn't hear that. I don't remember that. And it's because you really don't. It's because it did not come in. And that's why the classic he said, she said feels so different Mm -hmm. because we really are hearing things differently. And we also have something called our confirmation bias, which is basically that we like to confirm anything we believe. And so again, when these things work together, you're, you're kind of screwed. Like that would be impossible of impossible wall to break through because now you're just like, you think this one thing long enough. And now it's like, you're finding reasons to keep, make it true. Is this Abby, is this sort of also kind of connected to like your ego? Because isn't your ego, the voice in your head that it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it Mm -hmm. sounds like this, like the thing that you fear is there something probably that happened in your childhood or something? And it's this fear that you have, like, maybe it's that uh, I'm people don't think I'm smart. 
And then you constantly tell yourself, like you just said, this RAS looking for these things, like see what that person did because you're trying to, your ego never wants to be wrong. And so now you're telling yourself all the time, like, see that person just like insulted my intelligence or my partner, like questions me all the time. So he clearly doesn't think I know what I'm talking about or whatever. And so it's kind of, is it connected to that or is it totally separate? Cause it kind of sounds like this class that I took where someone talked about this thing. And I'm like, this sounds connected. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly connected. Uh, you know, ego, that's a whole other piece because of Freud and all the things that that might right, mean. Right. But basically, yeah, you know, it's really just means that there's a way that we think about ourselves and what we think is true and what we believe in the world. And that thing right, gets, you know, again, this confirmation bias where we will, it becomes what we call self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because we believe it so much and we want to, and we sort of want to believe it because it, it, it's so crazy. But again, the brain is really built this way. It is built to overestimate threats and underestimate opportunities. It is built to see negative first before anything else. Every impulse you have goes through that part of your brain. So it goes through a negative filter for survival, for, for us to survive. So, and the problem is we have this very old hardwiring. And I will tell you something really related to what you said, which always blows me away, is that our, you, our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second. But our unconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So people, yeah, people don't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. And that's why, you know, you've been talking to someone and they're chatting with you and you're like, and they're saying all the right things, but you're like, this person is full of it. That I, you just get a, <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, uh-uh, I, I am not, I am not buying what you're selling. You, you, right? But they're saying the right things. It's because of this, uh, this unconscious filter, these eleven million bits that you're picking up. And so, if I think, if I believe, getting back to kind of your ego thing, if I have a belief, unconsciously, likely that I'm really not very smart, therefore I'm not worthy of being with someone who's smart. Uh, I'm not going to be able to keep up. They're going to end up rejecting me. I'm going to be abandoned. I mean, this is where our subconscious goes. So I set it up so that I never get that hurt. And I see those things everywhere. That's where those things, that that and the RES will go together. And now my partner is picking up on this weird energy, on this energy. So I'm saying things like, oh, I know, I know I'm smart. I know I'm okay. I know I can get by. I'm saying the things but they're picking up on that disconnection. And again, that's what you're picking up when you think a person is full of it, even though they're saying the right thing. And that is where trust really breaks down in a relationship in the same way that, you know, when you, I'm sure if you've been talking, anytime a woman talks to a man and he's trying to manage her feelings, you know, he lies. He, he's like, oh, it's okay. I, it didn't bother me. It's fine. You know, he, he just doesn't want to poke the bear. That's when uh, we know that the, that's not true right? We're, we're, we're feeling it. Those 11 million bits are picking up on it. And that's when our trust starts to break down. Well, if he's not telling me the truth about that, what else is he not telling me the truth about? I wonder what else he's hiding. I wonder what else, he, you know, and we start to see it everywhere. Wow. Now I have a question for you in terms of a couple things that we said, or that we just discussed one being that we sort of manifest what we're looking for to seek some sort of validation to our beliefs. But is there a way to come back from that? Or are you down rabbit hole that cannot be, I guess, undug? And then the other thing too is, is there some truth to what you're feeling? Or is it completely manifested and more just along the lines of competition? Like, where do we draw the line between like reeling it back in and taking accountability for this tit for tatness? Or the fact that like, really one person is doing all the work? (laughs) Well, let me answer the first one. Um, and I might have to re-ask because I'm old what the second question was. But uh, so, <laughs> you're so cute. You're so young thinking I can remember all that. Well, the, the first thing is when how – so you can program your RAS. And you do that very simply by focusing not on what you don't want but what you do want. So if in my head, if I'm mindful enough to notice that – uh, oh, I'm feeling really frustrated with my partner. I'm feeling annoyed. I'm feeling angry. Um, whatever your, you know, that feeling comes up, you know, and you're 
and then you have to, okay, what was I just thinking? What, what do I think? Cause you, we feel the way we think. Okay. You feel the way you think. So what I'm thinking about is very important. So if I, if let's say he left a dirty sock on the floor and then I'm so frustrated, I pick it up. I'm so pissed. He always leaves his socks on the floor, even though I keep asking him to pick them up and put them in the hamper. It's right there. Why won't he do it? You know, he doesn't respect me. He doesn't appreciate me. Does it sound familiar to anybody? Like, <laughs> so right. Something like that. And here it goes. And now I'm really angry and I'm really upset and, and, you know, substitute whatever your issue is there. And now, so that's what I don't want. So I can focus on that all day and get more of that confirmation and more of that bias. But I can also look at, the, I can be in that situation and think, well, what do I want? Well, I want to feel appreciated. I really want to feel appreciated. I want to feel supported. I want to feel heard. I hear that a lot. I want to feel heard. So that, now I want to focus on that. Well, how can I show up with appreciation in this relationship? How can I talk about appreciation with him and what it means to me? How can I, now we're in a whole different place. And how can I show appreciation? I could, I could pick up the sock and not make that an issue and instead talk about what I really want to talk about, which isn't the sock. Because I really want to talk about this other thing. Now, it doesn't mean down the road, I don't want him to get better with the socks. And I would say then stop buying him socks and maybe just throw away all the socks and make them more sandals. I don't know. Like <laughs> there's things them. you can do, right? Put, put a so hamper good. everywhere, right? So, I mean, you know, but having said that, it's, it's really, it, there's this space of we have, tend to have faith in fear instead of having faith in love. We are so worried about getting taken advantage of, which again, in my 30 plus years, I have seen so rarely. I have seen obviously extreme narcissist, extreme whatever, but those are rare. I know we throw that word around a lot, but it's, it's not really most people. So what happens when we are very loving to our partners is they want to be loving back. That's what happens. That's what I see over and over and over and over and over. And I work with thousands, I've worked with thousands and thousands of people. So when you, and it's interesting, you know, what is having faith? Faith is believing in what we can't see. So normally we have faith and fear. <laughs> He's going to take advantage of me. Uh, she's, oh, she's probably cheating on me. There's, you know, it's going to be bad. I'm going to be hurt. It's going to really hurt if they leave me. I won't be able to handle it. We, th ah, you know, down the rabbit hole, none of which is true. You'll be able to handle it. But the, what if we had faith in love? What if we had faith in that things were going to be great and we're going to have a, a relationship for the lifetime and lifetimes and we're going to really be so in love? And what if I had faith in that? Both of them you can't see. Both of them, neither is more real than the other. But again, our negativity bias in our brain gears us towards really focusing on the negative. And so really what you're doing by focusing more on the positive is you're unskewing something that's skewed negatively. That you're not, you're making it more realistic, actually. We know, you know, John Gottman, you know, famous marriage researcher has done a lot of work around this. And he has something called the Gottman ratio. And that basically when couples are in conflict, for every five times, for every five positive things that get said, you know, maybe like trying to make a joke during the conflict or, you know, trying to, trying to kind of, you know, give an affirmation or say I love you or something. For every five times you do something positive, it just takes one negative to cancel that out. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and he, he his research is pretty impeccable. And I will tell you that in in quote unquote real life, that number Barbara Fredrickson's work, uh, Roy uh, uh, Baumeister, Roy Baumeister, um, Steve Tiernan, these their work is something that is around three to one or even four to one. So it's just higher for romance because we have you know. We sort of have, a, I think, a higher expectation of our romantic partners. But in general, in life, you know, your boss, anybody else, for every three kind of positive things they do, it just takes one negative to forget those positives. I mean, I think we can all relate to that. That's mm -hmm. definitely like kind of what we were talking about before that you like, especially if you're worried about that something like failing at your job or not being lovable enough in your relationship, then you're picking those things out too. So even in an argument, you're only really hearing those negative things and then the positive things like it's probably kind of connected to it's yep. you're just really like looking for those things to tell yourself like, see, ugh, I knew it. I'm yep. right. I'm right. I have a question about the sock theory. So like, okay, 
if there is something happening in your relationship that it does bother you, like it goes back to the movie, The Breakup, where like, I want you to want to do I want the you to want to put away the dishes. I love, it's my favorite line ever. <laughs> put the sock in the hamper. Like, why can't you just do what I ask? Like, a couple things go with that. Like, how do you let that go? Like, what could you tell yourself to be like, how do I let that go? I guess you're, what you're probably going to say is figure out what you're really upset about. In that moment, so, you know, my Gary, I love him, but when he shaves, he leaves whiskers in the sink. And I see him rinse them all the time, but he doesn't rinse them like I'd like them rinsed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know what you mean. Uh huh. And what I do, and I really do, it's this shift of, you know, in our heads, right? It's like, well, it only takes a second. Why can't you just do this? And then again, it's like, well, it only takes a second. Why don't I just do it? I think of it as being of service to, first of all, to myself, because it doesn't bother him. It bothers me. The one in the most pain always needs to change first. And I'm in pain around what's happening in the sink. He's not. He is rinsing it. He is doing his best. Because the other thing, we assume that our partners aren't doing their best, but it is. You know, they they don't see the things we see. They just don't. It's not a purposeful thing. And so I'm not saying it's never purposeful, but trust me, it's they really don't like pissing us off. They do not. It's last on their list. They are trying to keep us happy, right, <laughs> as best they can. And so you know, the, and I see it as an act of service to him too. I love him. I don't want to talk to him about this. It really does take me a second. And so I just, I do it, be, but I also feel like he does those things for me. And so in a bigger picture, again, I'm getting my needs met and, but I don't compare it. I don't go, well, I do this because he does that. Instead, just in like a big way, I know that I feel so much love. So doing loving acts feels really easy. But okay, so what if you do what if you do the loving acts because it feels so easy and you're coming from a great place, but the other person isn't necessarily? How do you kind of tip the scale or I guess have no scale and work together as a shared resource? Yeah. Well, here's what's hard. You, you can't you can't do it in a way to manipulate it. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, um, because if you do that, you're already keeping score. And remember that 50 versus 11 million bits. So, yep, so let yes. me tell you, here's what it usually looks like. So I give, I, you know, I, you mentioned my book earlier, right? Be happily married, even if your partner won't do a thing. So, so let's say a, a woman comes to me and right, her husband won't do a thing, won't do anything. Right. And that goes to any relationship, not just being married, but, and so I give her some great tool, like I'm teaching you right now. She goes home and she tries the tool, but but unconsciously, she's thinking, he's going to take advantage of me. He's never going to change. Abby doesn't understand that our problems have been happening for years and years. And this little, this little thing is not going to make a change. Or we've made changes before, but they never stick. Am I, am I hitting some buttons here? Right? Like something like that. So I do the thing. I try the tool. But, but remember, so now my partner... He sees me doing it, but he also sees this incongruency because he's got 11 million bits too, right? He is picking up on this, this doubt I have, my resentment. Well, yeah, and there might be resentment somewhere. Oh, once, once again, I'm the one doing all the work. I'm the one trying. You know, he never does anything. And that energy is what he's picking up on. So he's watching me do this different thing and he's thinking, well, <laughs> let's see how long this is going to last. Like she's nice now but it's not going to last. So I'm not going to make some big changes because I don't want to get hurt. Nobody wants to get hurt. God forbid. Nobody wants to be vulnerable. So he doesn't do anything. I try my little tool for another week and nothing changes. So I come back to Abby and I tell her that her, what she told me doesn't work. And I have to say, no, what it does work. You, you were being conditional. You were only doing it until you saw a change. And he knew that he could feel that. So he was waiting you out and he was right. He was right. He waited you out, took about a week, and then you gave up. If we do these things, again, what is faith? It is, and, and I can only tell you, you know, the reason I wrote the book ultimately was because I was doing this work with people and it was working over and over and over. Now, granted, they get to come see me and we talk and I keep, you know, give them that pep talk and keep them going. You know, we have this talk, you and I, you know, the three of us are having more often, but 
And what was happening is people were completely transforming their marriages without me ever meeting their partner. And I thought, this is weird. Like, because I was originally just doing it for them to be happy. I wasn't thinking, oh, the partner's going to change. But over time, you know, over the last couple decades of doing this, I realized that, wow, these partners are changing. These people are coming back saying that their relationships have improved, that even the relationship with their kids, things like that. When we show up in the way we want to be seen, other people start calibrating to us instead of us calibrating to them. That, have you ever been to a concert? You know, have you, I'm sure you've been to a concert, right? Or a football game or, I don't know, some big sporting event. You know that feeling that like your team is winning or you're, you're listening to the music and this whole place, especially if you've ever been in an auditorium where there's a, there's a band singing and there's some chorus where everybody in the audience gets to sing too. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I, you know, I can, I can remember like epic Bruce Springsteen concerts way back in the day because I'm from back East and, you know, like listening in the garden and just people going crazy. You are calibrating the whole room. This, this 100,000 people are calibrating to one thing. You can do that with one other person all the time. You can calibrate that energy so that people come to your energy. I hear all the time, oh, my husband, you know, I was in a good mood. And then my, my partner came home and he was in a bad mood. So then I was in a bad mood. And of course, I'm thinking, well, well, why didn't you just get him in a good, like, why didn't he calibrate to you instead of you calibrating to him? Like, why, why was his the dominant vibration? Why isn't yours the dominant vibration? And there's this, again, this leaning towards the negative, this fear we have. If you can't base a love relationship on fear, it's not going to work. It's just not. So you can try, but you're not going to get truly feelings of safety, of security, of happiness when you're focused on what you don't want. It's just, it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen to anyone. So, and that's what's always missing. And so everybody I give this to who does it, who's just as in it a hundred percent giving fully, what starts to happen, I say all the time, you have to connect to correct. People try to correct their partners all the time when they're in a yucky place. It doesn't work. You have to feel connected first. And when that happens, you can share how you're feeling. You can share what's happening in that deep connection. And they can not, I need you to pick up your socks, but, um, you know, hey, how do you feel about me? How do you, how do you feel like you show me that you appreciate me? Because I, I know how I think you do, but how do you think you do? Like, let the other person come to an aha about it. And also you want to hear their perspective because you yeah. might be like judging and seeing something that you might like, you'll probably be really surprised about what they're going to say. You can't really answer someone's questions like that. Again, there's like 11 million bits going on in their subconscious. <laughs> like you don't know what they're thinking, right? Sorry, are there ever aha moments though that are like the other direction? Like maybe you are showing up 100% unconditionally acting out of love um, and making that change, would that ever potentially inspire your partner? Let's say they are the opposite of you and not showing up and not doing a thing, you know, similarly Mm -hmm. mentioned in your book. And would that inspire them possibly to leave the relationship because they realize maybe you're not on the same page and not in like a a negative way, but just like you're bringing to light all of these loving feelings and maybe it actually does shine a light that they're not in the same place. I have absolutely positively not had any, I'm trying to think, I not that I know of has, has the other person left, but what I have had is the other person get into therapy. I mean, I have had partners get into therapy. Like I have had, you know, my client come to me and say, not in a million years did I ever, like, you know, culturally, no one in the, I'm, I'm thinking someone recently, actually, they're, they're from India. And, you know, she's like, Indian men in my family do not go to therapy. Like, do not. Like, I, she was hiding going to therapy from him with me. And he ended up going, he's agreeing to go to therapy to work wow. on this. I know. So great. So I have seen that. I have seen um, my client, you know, the person I'm working with realized some things about their partner that they didn't realize that in, but from that loving place, kind of like you're saying, realizing that maybe they really were a narcissist or really were something other than what their kind of dream was about it, or just that the other person is trying and is trying to show up in the relationship, but they want more now. They want something else. They want, and 
And so trying to, you know, that certainly, but no matter what, it ends up being something where there's a clarity there. There's a, there's love there. You, you know, you don't have to end relationships with bitterness and anger. You don't have to, you really don't. And you can really move on in a different way and honor what you had and move on to the next thing. It, you you can do that and realize everything you've learned. It's just, it's again, part of our culture that we hate our exes. And it's such a sad thing. We talked about that at the top of the show. Like when a relationship breaks apart, instead of sitting there and like, maybe examining, is there some relationship pattern that I am doing or putting myself in? Because ultimately, you're only responsible for yourself. At the end of the day, you're left with yourself, you're out of a relationship now. And it what I think would be most effective is to tell yourself, or ask yourself, what, what was I responsible for? And is this a pattern? How do I fix it? But instead, I think it's so easy, because you're so hurt to just be like, I was screwed over. He was such a dick like mm-hmm. I he do a b and c and while I do have a question about that like while that kind of gets nothing accomplished and maybe there's a less often percentage where that is true like you're in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic and they like seriously brainwashed you or fucked mm-hmm. you over or whatever it yeah. is like fine but for the most part like we spend so much time blaming the other person and then like where sometimes like relationships they just don't work out like maybe the person wasn't that into it and like you're like well he did this and that and you're like no it's just it didn't they just didn't want to take the next step or what like what were they Mm -hmm. gonna do lie to you about it like right at some point they've got to just be like i gotta go my separate ways but how do you okay so let's say you're in a relationship and you're, you're like, oh man, maybe I am keeping score, but like, and you know, I shouldn't do that. But there does need to be a point where you do, if it's sort of on the extreme end of the spectrum, and I'm not even saying like, maybe not as extreme as like, oh, you're dating a psychopath, but like mm-hmm. closer to this, the point where you would sort of have to keep score to recognize like, okay, hold on. I think this relationship isn't great because like, I do kind of notice, I mean, you have to keep score, but like, I do kind of notice that I'm, maybe I'm initiating sex a lot, or I'm offering to do whatever it is, like, and this guy seems checked out, like, and, and within that, you're saying, like, he doesn't seem to, like, want to touch me, he doesn't, um, show up for my events and support me and when I want to talk to him about my problems he just doesn't seem like he's there or whatever you have to keep score but like at that point you've got to tell yourself like I shouldn't be in this relationship instead of like oh well just let it go like it's fine I need to come from a loving place right like there's a breaking point well yeah it's still to me that's not keeping score I I would really tell people not to look again at what they're doing or not doing, but instead to look at how you feel. Okay. Do I feel loved and supported? Do I feel, that's what you ask yourself every night when you go to bed. Do I feel loved? Like again, and what's important to you? Like, doesn't matter. Cause even like you initiating sex all the time. I, cause I get this both ways, right? Men will tell, I always initiate sex. Women, I always, so what? Like, is that the thing? Like, what is that? You know, what is really happening that well, that feels that like a thing would, to you? Yeah, that person would say, potentially, I'm just getting mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like you really desire me if you're not trying to come on to me. Of course, once you, once it's, especially if it's a dude, let's just say you have this mm-hmm. idea in your head, like, well, of course, right. after a couple minutes, you're going to go for it because you want to have sex because you're a dude. But yeah. like, it's not for me, I could be anybody. Yeah. Again, how do you feel during sex? So even if you always initiate, how, you know, I mean, it's like, or maybe it's always because you wait till night or maybe that person really has a low sex drive or may, I don't know, you know, sometimes people are on antidepressants. There's all kinds of reasons or just really people forget men get stressed too and sometimes don't want sex or don't think of it first. It's there's, but again, it's the meaning we assign. This means you don't find me desire. Well, find out. Talk about it. And what I always say to folks is don't sack your relationship. SAC. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. So again, you want to ask questions. If you want to have a conversation, you have to ask questions. So don't tell them what they're doing. Don't tell them they don't find you desirable. Don't tell them anything. Ask. 
Hey, I've but known- at some point, could they consider like, would they maybe feel interrogated if you're always asking questions and trying to get to the root of something or feel like you're um, providing therapy potentially by leading them to an answer? Right. So you don't want to, again, offer suggestions or give advice. So you don't want to lead them anywhere. You have to truly be curious. Truly be curious. What is happening? Don't assume you know. And so how do you just back up? And again, when you ask questions from that place, people do not feel interrogated. When you ask people from a place of like you're driving them towards something, they feel interrogated. If you also, again, with real curiosity, with love in your heart, you know, I really want to understand this. Can you tell me more about X, Y, Z? Can you tell me how, how do you feel after we have sex? How do you feel before we have sex? Do you want to know how I feel about it? You know, and ask, ask, don't just get, you know, see. And again, it's always best to have these conversations when you're in a good place. Often when people are in a good place, they don't want to do it. I don't want to rock the boat now. We're finally getting along. I don't want to say anything. But remember, you have to connect to correct. So you can't, you don't do it when you're fighting. That's the worst time. And you say the worst things, you know. And also when you ask questions, you don't want to ask why. Why signals a certain part of our brain and our amygdala lights up and you don't want that. You want to ask what questions, how questions. You know, again, if you're really curious and decide if you can back up and realize that you really don't know, you cannot read minds. I know everyone thinks they can. I know what he's going to say. He should know what I want for my birthday. You know, no, people cannot read minds. So really be curious and ask again from a loving place and you'll have a different answer. But to get back to your bigger question, of course, there's times you're going to leave a relationship. But again, I want it to be because of what you want and need, not in retaliation for what you're not getting. There's a difference here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. There's just a difference on the focus. And, and it, if you tell yourself, you actually made it really simple. Like, do I feel loved and appreciate, or do I feel loved and supported or what do I feel loved even just the simple as that? Like then when you're trying and that, that is honestly like, well, let's go to your podcast called relationships made easy. That (laughs) makes it easy, right? Because then you can tell yourself, okay, well, the stupid sock that I'm annoyed that he leaves on the floor, like, does it really make me feel not loved when he doesn't pick up the freaking sock? Like Mm -hmm. that kind of general big question can sort of help steer you when you're asking your questions to your partner, when you're asking a question to yourself. So was that like, I mean, relationships made easy is your podcast. Tell people where they can tune into that, but that's the kind of stuff I'm sure you talk about on there because that's a very simple direction that could kind of help like with this whole subject we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, all, you know, the podcast, I made the podcast because so many people, frankly, can't afford to like see me or I'm booked, you know, I have a waiting list or something. And I really, I use research-based techniques. Like every, you, you hear me, you know, everything is research-based. Everything is what actually works. So it's not, you know, somebody like, well, this worked in my relationship, so let's try it here. It's not that. It is, here's, you know, 35 years of direct service with clients, which I still do. I still see people. <laughs> and and that and the research and my, you know, my kind of know-how. And I put all that together so that everyone could have access to really top-notch information and actionable tools for changing the relationship like I'm giving today. You know, like actionable things like here's what I can do. And so I cover everything from, I mean, from forgiveness, how to, you know, how to do that to imposter syndrome, to what to do if your partner's uh, depressed or how to listen without getting defensive and hurt was a a big episode. Um, so it really covers the gamut and then people can write in and ask an ask Dr. Dr. Abby question. And I answer those during the podcast also. So yeah, I'm really proud of it. We're in 133 countries. I think you mentioned, and it's really exciting. It's gotten really big and, um, it just means a lot of people are getting great information, which has been my goal. I love that you're Dr. Abby and not Dear Abby, but it feels so similar <laughs> and yet yeah. so different. But you're so great at, you know, sort of dwindling down to the root of something. Is there a favorite piece of advice you've either given your audience or gotten from anyone you've spoken with on your podcast that we can give to the couples or even single people that are getting into another relationship? Would 
need to move forward? Oh boy. Um, I would say there's probably a million things, but really what, what I said the other day that really resonated with, uh, a client was, you know, love is the bravest thing we do. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, and you know what, give yourself credit for being vulnerable, vulnerable and letting yourself go down that path because, allowing someone to love you is allowing them to hurt you. It's allowing them, it's allowing all of these things in, right? I'm not saying that yep. love equals, but it will happen. And it, you just sort of have to give, give yourself a pat on the back, like that you're being very brave by doing this, but good things come of it. Bad things come of it. It's the, there's an umbrella of emotions that will happen and just like, let it go and let it happen. But like, recognize that it's not always going to be like rainbows. This shit happens. And like, <laughs> Try to pay attention to like your inner thoughts and stuff, because I think that's where a lot of like, like you're saying, a lot of it stems from a lot of these problems mm-hmm. stem from these like, thoughts you have, these expectations. Oh, I'm falling in love. It's going to be amazing. Well, sometimes stuff is hard and then you've got to ask yourself the right question. And I really love that. Do I feel loved question? Like, I think that would just, it sort of applies to anything. So I think telling yourself to like constantly ask that with connected to a problem or issue you're having is so helpful. Like, is it really worth it or is it? Yep. And so how, just remind everyone where they can find your podcast and your book and then you on social media. <laughs> sure. So really the, the, the place where everything is, is my website, which is abbymedcalf.com. It's uh, A-B-B-Y-M-E-D as in Donald, C-A-L-F.com. The podcast is there, everything. Uh, my book is on Amazon The and it's on Audible also and uh, Kindle and it's all the things. And my podcast is everywhere. So again, Audible to you know, Pandora to Spotify to iTunes, like anywhere you download, you can definitely find my podcast, Relationships Made Easy. And there's a lot of really great free resources on my website on the, it's on the shop page, but there's nothing sketchy about it. It's totally free. You don't have to put in a credit card or anything, but there's a learned optimism workshop and there's a mindfulness starter kit. There's all kinds of things you can download. Again, I, you know, there are things you can buy, you can buy my book there too, but there always are things, even if you don't have a penny, so you can really, really have, think differently so you can truly find that joy and connection in, in really all your relationships, but I hopefully especially in your romance. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are going to have to re-listen to this like a thousand times to make sure that we're really absorbing all of these helpful tips you gave and practicing them. And then, you know, probably referring back to it later when we need it again and need the reminders and also tune into your podcast, read your book and all of the things that you're putting out into the world and audience, obviously tune in as usual to It's Complicated, where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And it's complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment. Please also, while you're there, tell a friend. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets. Love you long time. You're on a hot date with Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. And now it's complicated. <laughs>